many organizations are driving efficiency, reducing information overload, and removing techno stress via their digital workplaces. And one way to achieve this is by providing a single and seamless and consistent experience that covers the plethora of applications that employees need to use every day. And this can be achieved using a digital experience layer. And a good way to think about such a layer um, is a digital assistant that integrates with all enterprise systems, shields employees from the complexity, and delivers just that seamless experience that they expect. WorkGrid, of course, our podcast sponsor, is one of the organizations that explores the possibilities and shares some really great insights via an article they've just published called Evolution of the Digital Workplace, Are Digital Experience Layers of the Next Frontier? Be sure to check it out. You'll find the link in the show notes. And of course, you can learn more about how to keep your workforce engaged and be more productive via that article. But for now, let's go on to our episode. If you're looking at long-term organizational readiness and something that's sustainable, you need to have structure in place that allows you to manage things day to day but also have a kind of renewal process in place so that you're constantly being able to revisit your strategy and revisit what you're what you're doing so for me it's really about revisiting where you are with today's hat on rather than yesterday's hat on and thinking about how can we start to embed it through structure and process from Regular hub chats with DWG members to conversations that have flowed during our events, it's been clear, thankfully for many in our community, that the shift to remote work went largely smoothly, albeit with some challenges, and has enabled levels of readiness and adaptability that often surprise them. In today's podcast episode, I had the honor of talking with my colleague and friend, Shimri Jaynes, who is our Director of Knowledge at DWG. She also happens to be the co-author of a brand new book that she and DWG's CEO and founder, Paul Miller, worked on, entitled The Nature of Work. Shamrit has also authored quite a few DWG member research papers over the years, including the most recent one that looks at organizational readiness specifically and what digital workplace teams need to know. And this paper covers trends and thinking points across three levels of readiness for digital working. Those include, number one, organizational systems, number two, team cultivation, and number three, individual capability. And over the course of this episode, we get to talk through each of these three specific elements of the framework that originally appeared in a 2016 version of this research paper. And uh, this year, we asked Shamrit to take a fresh look at it to bring it up to date for the endemic needs of 2021. And so uh, we'll get to share those highlights with you over the coming minutes, um, not only uh, in terms of that organizational system, but also a range of topical trends and thinking points on subjects such as well-being, leadership, and teams working together. And as always, Shimri offers some insightful recommendations that digital workplace teams need now. 
So with that, join me for a fascinating conversation with Shamri. Happy listening. Shamreet, of course, I'm really delighted to have a chance to chat with you today. Before we dive into our marquee topic for this conversation, of course, I have to ask you a very personal question, and, and that is, you are someone who has been writing for many years at this point. Um, not only have you written DW Research, but you've also recently authored your very first book. Tell me a little bit about what inspires you when you write. That is an amazing question. Um, it's what's interesting is uh, in the process of writing the book last year with Paul Paul Miller. When you're writing, you go through a kind of up and down process of excitement to despair on, on a frequent basis, depending on how confident you feel. Um, and it was in one of those kind of trough moments that I came across a blog post entitled "Your Writing Matters." And it was exactly what I needed in the moment as a reminder. But it, I think one of the things that inspires me, this is going to sound a little bit selfish, I love it as a learning exercise for myself. It's a way of learning how I feel about things, what I think about things, a way of trying to understand and analyse the research in a kind of out loud way on the page. Uh, so that's one of them. And the other is really trying to make sense of lots of disparate information, trying to find the lessons, the learnings, the patterns, and then sharing them so that other people can learn. So for me, it's very much a process of self-learning and then sharing learning um, is uh, one of the things I love about writing. Plus, it's a creative endeavor, and that's always fun. What a great way to kick off this conversation. And I can say I feel a great deal of empathy for what you've just said because I feel very much the same way in the podcasting realm. So it's all conversation-based, but it's an exploration. And I get to be a continuous learner as part of that process and pay it forward. And I think that's the best part of it all. So with that, shall we dive into our topic? Yes, let's do it. So let's start with just a little bit of background. Uh, context is always important. Uh, what's the main driver for tackling organizational readiness now? That is a great question. So I know you, you mentioned um, the idea that we have an evolution of our research. Um, and what we originally did in DWG in 2016 was put a P I with colleagues put a piece of research together looking exactly at organizational readiness. Um, it was very much driven by the fact that our digital workplace benchmarking maturity model, that organizational readiness vertical, is very often one of the lowest performing areas together with metrics. Um, and it's because change and people and behavior change is so hard. We know that. We're human. Um, behavior change is hard. We're creatures of habit. So that original piece of research really looked at um, uh, kind of four key areas. Uh, the first was leadership and management. I'm just going to pause. Is it okay to see the slides? Sorry, <laughs> just as a prompt. Thank you. Um, so the first is looking at leadership and management and kind of the key areas of that. There was an area 
looking at organisational culture, another looking at process and policies, and another looking at usability and motivation. So they were kind of like the four key areas, and we went into great depth in that uh, research report, trying to understand the things you need to be looking out for. What does organisational look like? Organisational readiness look like in each four of those areas. Uh, and that it worked really well. It goes really nicely with that model that we have, the benchmarking model. However, you then get to 2020 and COVID, and COVID-19. And there's a great um, model called the panicky framework, which explains and really describes how complex systems evolve over time. Uh, and it looks at four stages. And the reason I'm bringing this up is COVID has kind of disrupted the cycle that we were on and the stage that we were on in terms of where we are as a working system. So we were in this stage of conservation. We were kind of in a stable system, more or less. Everyone kind of knew what they were doing, even though there was change over time. It was quite slow going, potentially. But then COVID came along and it triggered this release of that status quo. It was a real revolutionary, disruptive event that really challenged the way that everybody was working, what we thought we knew. And that then takes us into this area, potentially, of um, reorganisation. So what we saw very rapidly was people adapted. They were able to reorganise, to react to that event. And we're still going through that at the moment. And what then happens in time, in theory, is you then, as things start to settle again after that disruptive event, you go back into a stage of what's kind of exploitation. So it's kind of rapid expansion and growth depending on how well things are going and trying to really understand and scale up what was working well. And you then go back into that conservation stage, which is settling back into the status quo, the new normal, as everyone describes it. Um, And so COVID really disrupted where we were. And so the question for us in terms of organisational readiness is how ready were we for that in order to be able to evolve into that reorganisation stage? And to what extent were people actually trying to go backwards into that conservation of the status quo? Are we ready to move forward and to reorganise and to really think about what comes next? Or are we trying to go back to what we had? So for me, organisational readiness is such an important question here for digital workplace practitioners because not only does it explain how quickly we were able to respond to COVID as that kind of massive disruptive event that released us from the status quo, but as we go forward, it really helps us think about that question of what does reorganisation and then trying to settle back into something that's more stable look like in the long term. And so that really brings us to the kind of evolution of our organizational readiness framework. So we could have stuck with what we had in 2016 and said, this, we know it works, we know it works in a stable system. Or we could have looked at what we were learning over the course of the year and create something new that evolved us from what we had in 2016. So that's what this new piece of research does. It really looks at the lessons of the last year, says what can we learn from that and how can we start to slowly progress into something that feels a bit more stable, ready for the next massive disruptive thing that comes along. So we've kept some of the the four ideas that we had in the original one. They're still there. They've just been reorganized into something that's more sustainable, that's more kind of regenerative over time. 
So it's been organised and set into three different layers. So we have uh, organisational systems as that kind of overarching layer that holds everything together. The next layer down, we have teams and how do we cultivate teams and what does readiness look like there? And then down to the individual level and how what capabilities do they have to really be ready for digital working? So that's really the, the evolution and the, the driver that we had for putting this piece of research together. So this makes me think of the parallel from a digital workplace point of view specifically. If you think about where we were 10 years ago, most organizations were working in IT frameworks that were waterfall driven or almost a spiral effect. And then agile was introduced. And we know that the constant is change, right? So you're testing, you're learning, and then you're implementing in bite-sized chunks, and then the cycle begins. And I find it quite fascinating that the visualization of the panicky framework is an infinity loop because it very clearly shows you that this is going to be a constant. Um, And so change, yes, it's a constant, but it also has velocity now, which is speed with direction. And so having a framework that allows you to muscle through um, and create um, uh, a tolerance for ambiguity is kind of the new gold dust for digital workplace professionals. So let's dive in to kind of the next layer of the conversation and see where it takes us. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So how do you think accelerated technology deployments under this agile banner Um, And ways of working need to be revisited in order to ensure that they're fit for the long term. That's such an important question. Um, And I think what I'm going to do to help answer that is just focus on kind of the organizational system layer to start with, um, because I think it's like I said, it holds everything together. And it's really here that you can see, you know, There was so much, as you said, there was so much rapid change over the last year. We saw people deploying teams really quickly, people having to work from home overnight. Things changed in such a rapid way. And yes, it worked for many people. We know that for many of our members, it worked really smoothly, bar a few technological bumps along the way. Um, But over time, we saw, for example, things becoming a bit more fractured in terms of connection, in terms of governance in terms of all kinds of areas so I think one of the big lessons for digital workplace teams into thinking about how do we carry this forward now is to look at that organizational system layer Um, and so here we talk about leadership and culture we talk about infrastructure we talk about communications and content and I think really for leaders they need to think about how can we take what we've learned about being present in digital spaces and then start to transform that into how they lead going forward in a more empathetic way in a way that's really listening and taking all those things that they've learned into a a future um, and embedding it into how they think about their leadership so it's not just ad hoc it's not just by chance it's embedded in the style of leadership that they and their colleagues and also managers in the next layer down are really thinking about and that takes coaching that takes a level of comfort that isn't it's going to be new to a lot of them at an infrastructure level um one of the things that we are advocating for heavily is the idea of revisiting governance things happen so quickly and so adaptively and so kind of organically over the last year which was great for responding to a crisis 
if you're looking at long-term organizational readiness and something that's sustainable, you need to have structure in place that allows you to manage things day to day, but also have a kind of renewal process in place so that you're constantly being able to revisit your strategy and revisit what you're what you're doing. And so at an infrastructure level, it's really essential that I think those governance processes that are maybe designed for pre-COVID and haven't been updated yet or new governance processes that need to be put in place across technology, across content, across people, looking at roles and responsibilities as well, um, really need to be revisited and thought about, okay, where are we today in this new phase that we're in? What are we going to potentially need going forward? What have we learned and how can we embed that in process and in structure and how we work together? Um, in term, and how the digital workplace is uh, structured. And then communications and content, we saw across our members, and Nancy, I know you saw some great examples in this, and you've had some great examples on our events as well of organizations who really quickly spun up communication sites and content that was very COVID-specific and succeeded really well in that space so again it's doing that content audit that communications audit of where you are really taking stock of what you have and saying okay what can we keep what do we need to retire um what are the new needs of our people is there a level of fatigue that people have around communication around covid what do people really need to know as people return to the office do we need a new content strategy again a new communication strategy so for me it's really about revisiting where you are with today's hat on rather than yesterday's hat on and thinking about how can we start to embed it through structure and process. And I'm just looking at this three-pronged set of systems and I guess the way I'm interpreting it and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong is the first bucket, leadership and culture, is all about leading in the digital workplace the second bucket, which is infrastructure, is all about leading in the digital workplace. And then the third around communications and content applies to everyone in the organization, leaders, digital workplace practitioners, and the workforce at large. Yeah, exactly. And we have an amazing piece of research conducted by our director of research, Elizabeth, looking at the inside out digital leader. And it's exactly that. I think for, for organizational readiness, your leaders, even if they aren't part of the digital function, which the majority aren't, need to be comfortable expressing their leadership within digital habitats, within the digital workplace. And that's town halls, that's ask me anything, that's using the tools themselves for how they work so they're leading by example. And that impacts the culture. And then, like you said, on the infrastructure level, it's about how the digital workplace teams are being digital workplace leaders and setting the example, being the advocates, um, setting the structures in place, building the relationships so that you have a robust program in place. And then yeah, communications and content is everyone's responsibility. Everyone has a role in it, even if you're in a team you communicate with your peers, even if you're not in the internal comms team. Um, so having good content practices, good communication etiquette in place, all helps build a robust organizational ecosystem for the digital workplace. And of course, when we put together the show notes, we'll be sure to include a link to the research that you just referenced. And um, uh, ensure that we give uh, kudos to Elizabeth Marsh, who, of course, is our director of research. 
And so, Shamrit, let's let's talk about where we go from here. Um, I know that you know we are talking about the age of hybrid working or dynamic working, uh, as some other organizations are calling it. And how do organizations um, support and connect with a workforce that is less desk based than they once were, and those who are it, and then those who kind of straddle the two on any given day because they're road warriors uh, who happen to pop into the office for a little while and the like. You know, what do we need to be thinking about to ready ourselves for the foreseeable future, given how flexible things need to be for teams? This is such a hot topic and controversial, contentious one, I think, at the moment. There's a lot being said about hybrid working across the whole spectrum of people who never want to go into the office again, to those who think everyone should be back into the office tomorrow, today, yesterday, and then everything in between. I think for us, in terms of our organisational readiness framework, one of the big things here is, yes, you experience the organization at the organizational system level, but actually day to day you experience it within a team and your peers and the people you're working with day to day. So if we look at that team cultivation area, managers have a massive role to play. You can't just lift and shift the way that you were working pre-pandemic in that status quo phase you can't just lift and shift whatever ways of working that have emerged over the last year because that was very much remote so if we're looking at reorganization hybrid is that next phase so what can we learn and what can we experiment with to really understand how to connect people you know we know that one of the big things that people missed over the last year was was that connection the relationships with their people and yes people have been able to maintain that by a digital means but we are natural beings at the end of the day we crave connection we crave that kind of physical proximity with our peers there's so much that you get that you can't replicate in a digital environment so how do you balance and take the best of both while trying to mitigate some of the cons of both in order to create that connection so in the team environment I've mentioned managers they really need support you need to put support in place to help them develop the skills and the capability to understand what it is to manage what's effectively a distributed team one of the big things I was on a um, a webinar the other day about managing hybrid teams and it was someone who's done their PhD in this area and they've been sh- they were sharing their findings and they said there are there are great benefits to hybrid working there's also unintended consequences very much to do with the bias the unconscious biases that we have as as humans so things like the proximity bias if people are in are on site more often and the manager is on site more often they get a halo effect around them where they end up getting more work. They're more likely to get promoted more often and the studies support that versus the people who choose to or have to work from home or from elsewhere. We know based on the last year that women are often inversely in, um, adversely impacted because they're the ones more likely than not taking on caretaking responsibilities, for example, so less likely to be in the office. So a manager really needs to now almost expand the way that they think about their team to think about that mentoring role that coaching role to think about how are they helping people connect how are they helping people find those touch points throughout the day how where people are meeting and why 
looking out for those moments of where people are unintentionally perhaps being left out because of practices and really being a conductor and a steward to how the team works together. So that's really key, is really thinking through the role of the manager and how that transforms in hybrid. The two other areas that we talk about for team cultivation are working and learning together. So how do you actually work together and how do you learn together? Because like we've, you know, you and I have had conversations with members where there's a massive fear that actually learning, particularly for people who are earlier in their careers, you lose a lot of the social learning that you get within a home and um, sorry, an office environment where you're physically co-located and you pick things up by observing, by having those informal conversations. So thinking through how we can make the best use of the office and what that means for us to support working together and learning together. And then what are the moments that we can use to transform the digital environment? For example, you and I, we've done um, virtual shadowing as a learning tool for the two of us, even if we're on separate sides of the world almost or across, you know, there's an ocean between us. And it's such an effective learning tool for digital environments. So I think having that experimentation to really start to understand what is it we're trying to achieve and how does the digital habitat how does the physical habitat enable that is really essential and I think what's new for us in this framework is we've included playing and socializing together as a key component of organizational readiness I don't think we've ever properly spoken about that before as something that's really important And we've seen over the last year how important that is as a way of building trust, building connection, helping people get familiar with the tools as well in a safe way and a a playful way. And we know that trust, uh, we know that connection are key parts of effective collaboration. You get to know people better. It's then easier to have collaborative moments with them and to share ideas and to experiment so having playful time together within the digital workplace and social time can then help with that hybrid working as well it can help people feel included help people feel they belong and I think digital workplace teams need to start to really think about how they help their colleagues use the digital workplace in playful ways to help connect and what that means within a hybrid environment as well. So I just had a revelation as you were talking. I think what is a key takeaway for me from here around this idea of team cultivation is that we're now in an age where you have to plan spontaneity. So you don't bump into people in the water cooler, you know, by the water cooler in the canteen or the cafeteria. So you have to plan for those moments now. And something we've done inside of DWG circles is coffee roulettes, which actually allow people to connect one-on-one. And ideally, it's not a work agenda. It's it's about creating that connection that you would have had had you been enjoying some fika time in the canteen over coffee and cake and just getting to know each other. And um, it's an important part of this dynamic as well as adapting the continuous learning model. And it's got to work top down, bottom up, laterally and diagonally now in order for the new team construct to be future proofed um, in a time of uncertainty. So exactly. And (laughs) sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say that, you know, um, just 
taking a fresh look at this research. Of course, I saw it in its earlier stage when it was in development, but now having a little time and distance, it's sparking a whole new, fresh <laughs> set of thinking um, in conversation with you. So that's just wonderful. Um, I know learning you to talk- by writing, learning exactly. by writing, learning by conversation. It's that, it's that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I know you were going to talk a little bit about the individual, which is the, the third rung in this yeah. framework as well. And what you were just saying about things like the coffee roulette um, and kind of being more structured around spontaneity, which feels counterintuitive, but actually structure helps breathe, it enables spontaneity, I think. Nothing happens naturally out of chaos necessarily. There's always that balance and that tension between structure and, and unstructured Um, which is what happens in nature, which is where some of these ideas have come from. But in order to enable that, you need to have the individuals who you're seeking to connect through teams, through the organization, have their own ability and motivation as high as possible. And that's why we talk about nurturing individual capability. So previously, this was just one chunk of the model. It now has three specific components to it. Um, The first is digital literacy. Again, we have some amazing research looking into what digital literacy is and how you can start to nurture that amongst your people. But it's really about helping them increase their level of comfort, not only with the button pushing of the tools and how to use it technically, but with the behavior, with the etiquette, with the, the feelings that you have using the tools to make sure that they're comfortable using it. So that's really the digital literacy thing. And one of, you know, we, we hosted a hangout last year looking specifically at digital literacy and what it means for remote working. And you sometimes have to get creative. If people aren't comfortable using the tools, you can't necessarily use the tools to train them if they're remote. If you're looking at a hybrid environment, you maybe do need to go back to things like using a telephone to help people with training. So really understanding where people are, helping them self-assess and feel safe to be able to share where they're having difficulty is going to be really key going forward and helping people revisit the practices that they've maybe developed and the hacks that they've developed over the last year to really think, okay, are you working in the best way possible? How can we help you? The next layer is we talk about focus. I think there's been so much talk about productivity over the last year, which is important. How productive are people being at home? It's focused on output. That's what productivity is. What are you delivering? It doesn't really pay attention to the how. So we made a deliberate decision in this model to talk about focus rather than productivity because flexible working, or yes, people often say, you can work however you want, wherever you want, whenever you want, just deliver and we'll, we'll be happy. For newer people, newer recruits, people who are maybe struggling, people who are finding it hard to focus, it leaves them hung to dry a lot of the time if you haven't got good management in place to help them and support them. So we talk about focus. What are the technological, what are the environmental, what are the personal things that are impacting that person's ability to focus, whether it's in the office, at home, somewhere else, on the road? Is there personal stuff going on that's impacting them? So focus and being able to start to have an honest and safe conversation about what's impacting people's ability to focus, which is sometimes the digital workplace itself, as we know through techno stress and overload is key. And then the final one is well-being. 
we know this has become something that people have spoken about more and more over the last year, but mental well-being and mental health is something that I think needs to be integrated into people's digital workplace programs and when they think about organizational readiness the digital workplace itself can impact like we were just saying somebody's well-being if you have a tool that's on your phone and you have access to it 24 7 and you're at home we know that people have been working longer hours enabled by culture enabled by the digital workplace itself and kind of the, the culture around that so how can we have that honest conversation to talk about the working practices that we have and how that's impacting people's well-being. At the same time, we know the digital workplace can help people's well-being through connection, through relationship, through helping people who aren't necessarily in the office still feel connected to the organisation through all the things that we've said. So having that intentional conversation about how the digital workplace enables and hinders well-being as part of your organisational readiness conversation is really essential as well and I think it's uh, a positive thing that that's become part of the conversation yeah I couldn't agree more especially as someone who was the first remote employee at JP Morgan Chase some 20 (laughs) years ago (laughs) I remember when they told me write the book on how we have to do this successfully as an organization and even then recognizing that isolation and overload and all the things that you've described were a factor even at that time. And so we've turned up the dial on the importance of this as a topic because we have a newfound empathy in many organizations. And so that notion of balancing the what and the how is critically important and and has been the catalyst for allowing us to have this conversation to start, but then to put the support systems in place um, so that people can bring the, you know, their best selves to the organization day to day. And, and there are some interesting debates that we could take as a, a sidebar, but we'll probably have to reserve them for another day, like um, you know the new social campaigns around reduced work weeks and a lot of other things that are popping up. But um, we've had a chance to do a full round robin of the organization, the team, and the individual capabilities. I think it would be helpful for us to turn our attention in a slightly different direction now and really form a picture around key takeaways from this research and any recommendations that you might like to make. I think the big one is I wrote a piece a couple of months ago thinking about the future and it was this idea of we're in a mirror moment which is you asked about writing the mirror moment is something that's taken from fiction and the idea that in the middle of a story every hero has a mirror moment where they either metaphorically or literally look at themselves in the mirror and ask themselves who they are and where they're going and if we're talking about organizational readiness this is our mirror moment to ask ourselves are we ready for what can come next and actually can we help shape what comes next by thinking about organizational readiness so one big thing is to use the findings in this research to to influence your own mirror moment within your organization and to think about the story of where we've been where we are at the moment and where we where we're going next as an organization and what are the the tools 
and the skills that we need to have and the processes, the structures that we need to have in place within the organisation at all those three levels to make sure that we are fully equipped for the path ahead, knowing that there may be tangents along the way, but at least we're, we're doing some planning. So that's the kind of the first is that mirror moment. And part of that is it's the robust governance structures that just revisiting what's happened over the last year and happened quickly and organically and now putting some structure around it, whether that's your content policy, retiring tools that aren't needed anymore necessarily, it's okay to take away as well as continuously add the roles and responsibilities that all of that of structures that you have in place, really revisit them and think about what you need in place. The next is really about inclusivity. And it's making sure that whatever comes next as we try to move into that more stable moment is that we're not unintentionally leaving people behind as we kind of race to create something that's new and stable. So having those inclusive systems and practices and really asking yourself what and who is missing from my worldview? Are there people who are being inadvertently impacted by the new practices that we're putting in place and the ways that you can get around that is by co-creating this new system that you're putting in place with your people and making sure you're listening to them making sure you're talking to them and then the final one is allow emotions to be part of your work when you're looking at organizational readiness You and I had a conversation with a member a couple of months ago about leaders and Yammer and them not being ready for it. And when we got into the crux of the conversation, it was about fear. And that's a that's that's an emotion, the fear that you have. And you know, people crave certainty, they crave knowledge they want to know that they're safe and things that disrupt that like covid has like continuous change is going to is scary uh, people have different resilience breaking points so i think allowing emotion to to intentionally become part of your organizational readiness work is a, a key one as well fantastic um i guess my first question for you coming out of this roundup of takeaways would be whether anything surprised you I'm not sure I'd anticipated coming up with a new framework when we started. I thought it was going to be just a nice roundup of what happened over the last year, but using that original framework as the, the structure for it. But actually, in light of the work that we had done with the book, the Nature of Work book, and thinking about systems and nested systems and ecosystems and, and how things are interconnected, it made sense to evolve it. And where we are today isn't where we were in 2016. So I think that surprised me. And the other one was going back through all of our hub chat notes and all the notes that we have from our members over the course of last year, whether that was in events or the conversations, was just how well our members did. They were ready. <laughs> and I think we knew that. But to see it again written down as I was going back over the notes, it was a a nice, pleasant surprise. I think the metaphor that has been a way to encapsulate the year has been to say that our members were operating in the war room and they were very focused and ready to be responsive to each and every variable as it was coming up. And so... 
uh, we seem to be emerging out of the war room, and now people are reflecting on what's needed next, looking to catalyze innovation in new and different ways, and understanding the impact to the organization at all of these levels is critically important. And so, you know, as with everything we do in DWG, yes, we like to paint a clear picture of takeaways, including those things that surprised us. But do you have specific recommendations that you would want to share as part of this conversation as well? So there's a whole load in the research. There's nine specific ones. And I think, yeah, the, the biggest one for me is take the time to pause and to revisit and really take stock of where you are. Think about what the needs are today of your people, of the organization, of your teams. Work out what the gaps are, whether that's technology, process, ways of working, behavior, etiquette, and really map that out. Um, it's that taking stock moment rather than just carrying on rolling into the next thing. I think use this almost as a winter thinking of seasons use it as your winter take the time to do that even while things are carrying on and you're you're doing all the rest of your work and trying to get back into business as usual um because it'll stand you in good stead going forward terrific those are some sage words as always i guess one of the things i'm wondering would be that um uh, there's always a window of time when you're in a conversation like this where you're thinking, gosh, there was a question I wish the host would have asked me. So I'm going to throw that out to you and say, you know, is there such a question for you? And of course, you know, you have to answer it if that's the case. <laughs> I think the big one is as humans, we crave, I said this, we crave certainty, right? And it's been so uncertain over the last year. And we're desperate for certainty and normality personally and within our work lives we know that going forward there's going to be more disruption there's going to be more uncertainty whether it's i hate to say this but another pandemic or a natural event or any other number of things that can disrupt the way that we work and so taking time just learn, see this as a learning moment. I saw um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I saw, saw somebody ask the question, has anyone put in place someone whose role is just to learn and capture learning? And I'm, I'm director of knowledge, so I'm obviously going to advocate for a KM practice. But who are the people in your organisation who have specifically been tasked with learning from in-flight practice? and capturing those learnings and making sure they are being embedded, spread for the next crisis that comes along. So you're not having to reinvent the wheel again. You know, in the book, we talk about threats and what are you vigilant towards and who are your, um, oh, I can't remember what the word is. <laughs> it's like the meerkats who have the person on guard looking out while everyone else is getting on with the work who are those people for you that are capturing lessons in flight and think about is that a role that would be useful for you so that everyone while they're getting on with the day-to-day -day, is looking for the lessons for organizational readiness for the next time well we have to respect our history 
and pull from it as we turn our attention to the future. And capturing those in-flight learnings allows us to pause and take that objective look back as we prepare to move on anew. So it's a great piece of advice. One, one last question. Any final reflections? Have we missed anything? It's just a great conversation, as always. I feel like I've, I've learned stuff again. Um, I think it's don't scrimp on organisational readiness. You you can't do what you can't label sometimes. So within people's digital workplace programmes, do you have a stream dedicated to organisational readiness? And that yes, that comes down to change management and to you know culture and all that kind of stuff but name it organizational readiness as a piece in your strategy think about these elements because change management is often project-based whereas this is more long-term I think as well Um, so name it and dedicate resource and time to it well Shireen I have the distinct honor and pleasure of working with you day to day, but it was just wonderful having a chance to bring you back into the studio to share some highlights from your latest research. And we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Thank you, Nancy. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.